Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a cleaner audio version and cleaner episode, hopefully, with our mouth of of the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, welcome and thank you for finding us on your own. If you do, then you will know that we talk about movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name's Mike. His name is Matt. My ma- wow, my name's. My name's Matt and his name's Mike. Yes, thank you for joining us. It is March the 19th, 2022. This is episode 323. 323. Coming at you in uh, 2022. Um, thanks for joining us. We have a lot to get to, so let's go straight into it. Oh, a lot to get to is an understatement. This will be a jam-packed episode. We're going to try and keep our thoughts short. But you, if you, you listen to us. us, you know us. <laughs> so let's stop the, Let's stop uh, talking about everything. And let's start talking about Bruno, which we'll get to, with music <laughs> and the Billboard Hot 100. Except it's not your top song. Uh, number one is still, again, Heat Waves by Glass Animals. Yep. Only at number two. Is we don't talk about Bruno by Encanto. Yep. By Encanto. By by all of Encanto. Yep. The house sang it. Yep. <laughs> um, coming in at three, Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. Still don't know what that is. Also, Christy informed me that apparently all the teens are saying something uh, are calling things Gremlin mode now. Apparently that's super trendy. It's like gremlin? oh, when somebody's like a weird, creepy, du- creepy thing, it's like oh, they're going Gremlin mode. Like what the fuck? But <laughs> gremlins are, that's only after you get them wet and after you feed them after midnight. I don't think. Also, depending on which gremlins? midnight. That's what no, sorry. Is. Oh, my God. My bad. I am ancient. I'm going to sound so ancient to people. Sorry. Goblin mode, not gremlin mode. So trolls, too. <laughs> I guess the kids are saying things are, go- are goblin mode. So trolls, too. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. No, kids don't make In sense. In the town of Nilbog? I don't know. I'm 32 now. Nothing makes sense to oh me Oh my Anyways, god! Anyways, move on. <laughs> and yeah, all that references just flew over everyone's head there. Yeah, that was a scene. Uh, coming in at number four, <laughs> A B C D E F U by Gale. Talk more about Gale in a hot second. And rounding out your top five, staying in the top five, stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200. Yeah. Number one, once again, Encanto the soundtrack. Still. Coming in at two, What It Means to Be King by King Vaughn. He would know. He's not king of his name. Uh, at three, Danger Russ, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Eyes, rolls eyes. At four, Back for Everything by Kodak Black. Yep. And rounding out your top five, DS Forever by Gunna. Usual suspects here. The weekend uh, drops off and Sour is just outside as well at five and six respectively. Is that the weekend's compilation album? Yes, the highlights are still your number five. The highlights. Number six record. <laughs> the hits. If you didn't like any of those so. albums, we have new releases. Okay. <laughs> Starting with Warm Chris <laughs> by I, Aldous Harding. I was trying to figure out if this was a typo or not. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep it because it's a really funny name. <laughs> Is it Warm Chris or Warm Christ? <laughs> or we don't know. There was no T at the end. I just couldn't tell if it was an L or an I. And I'm like, either way, it's weird. So I'm going to go with Warm Chris. Well, what would the other be? Warm Curls? Churls? Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it's weird. Sure. It just made me laugh a lot when I was looking at it this morning. 
Uh, we also have Barbara by Bar- Barry. Barry, Barry. Barbara by Barry. <laughs> uh, running with the Hurricane by Camp Cope. I don't recommend running with the Hurricane. You usually run away from the Hurricane. Yeah, don't, don't run with it. Unless you are in the eye of a hurricane. <laughs> uh, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future by Denzel. Not that Denzel. <laughs> Denzel Curry. Uh-huh. Lab- Labyrinthitis <laughs> by Destroyer. Do All Words Can Do yep. by Fucked Up. <laughs> Fucked Up. Circles Around This Town yep. by Marin Morris. And lastly, Never Let Me Go by Placebo. Yes, that Placebo. So we'll probably talk about Marin Morris next week. Probably talk about Marin Morris next week. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Just, you know our taste. We might, we might talk about Marin Morris next week. Yes. So, speaking um, of country women. Speaking of country women. Um, last week, we talked about Dolly Parton's new album, Run, Rose, Run, mm-hmm. which in, came out in conjunction with a book of the same title, mm-hmm. which she co-authored by uh, James Patton. James Patterson. Patterson. James Patterson. <laughs> General Patton and someone else. I'll get to a different Patton later. Yeah, we'll get that. <laughs> um, but Dolly Parton has long been considered the queen of country, <laughs> but she's about to earn a new title. Or was. Or was about to earn a new title of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is, until Parton herself bowed out of the race. (laughs) Quote, Even though I am extremely flattered to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't feel I have earned that right. I really do not want... I really do not (laughs) want the vote split because of me. So I must respectfully bow out. I do hope that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will understand and be willing to consider me again, if I'm ever worthy. This has, however, inspired me to put out a hopefully great rock and roll album at some point in the future, which I've always wanted to do. My husband is a total rock and roll freak and always encouraged me to do one. Aww. This is uh, this was this week's feel-good story. Um... This, I mean, of course, we don't need to tell you that Dolly Parton is a national treasure. Yes. This just made her more endearing to me. Where it's like, she's just like, you know what? I'm not rock and roll. Like, this isn't for me, but you guys have fun over there. I haven't done enough rock and roll, <laughs> even though, like, they now accept, like, R&B and hip-hop. Right, yeah. It's more like um, the Hall of Fame of music. Right, yeah. That's probably what they should rename it, to be honestly. But, yes. um, but yeah, I mean, I get I get that this is a, like a nice little humble gesture from Dolly, being like, you know what, this, you know, I've earned a lot of things in my life, but this is not one of those things. She but, did um, famously yeah. reject a statue being built of true. her. That is true. So yeah, just our humble queen, Dolly. Uh, but yeah, the promise of a rock and roll record, though, that would be pretty cool. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see uh, if she does it. We'll see if she does it. Yeah. Um, That'd be nice. Yeah, uh, other than that, um, the initial... Side story of this: the yes. initial nominees for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have been announced. Right. We will wait until they will it down yeah. to the finalists. We'll take a look at that soon. Yep. Meanwhile, Meanwhile. other story in music in actual rock and roll. Uh, eh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I mean, closer, I guess. Closer to Dolly Parton. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's technically alternative music, but alternative uh, music yeah. is a spin-off of rock and no, roll. Nothing, no genres make sense anymore. Anyways. Mono genre. <laughs> Five years ago, yes. the album Everything Now was released mm. by Arcade Fire 
Yes. Um, and yes, moan as much as you want. Yeah, uh, pretty mixed reviews critically. Fans didn't like it. It was a weirdly cynical, badly recorded... I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Uh, I like Arcade Fire, but that record really fell flat for me. In fact, I believe there's still a review of it on the Meaning of Boat podcast website if you want to go check out what I wrote about it when that thing came out. Well, good news is you can write their next studio album <laughs> review <laughs> because it is confirmed for May 6th of this year. Yes. Being released via Columbia Records. Yes. Titled We. We. Not French We. W-E. The, the no, Royal We. Like We, yes. Because <laughs> it's all capitalized. Oh, yes. The Royal We. Uh, which is the album's arrival, is preceded by its first single already. Yes. The Lightning. One, two. Right. There's no and in there. It's just the Lightning. Yeah, one, the two. The and is assumed. It's uh, assumed. Once, once you, yeah. Read the rest of the story and I'll explain what that means. And as a video, has a video directed by Emily Kai Bach. <laughs> it's right here. Right here. <laughs> Produced by longtime Radiohead com. com- Radiohead producer Nigel Godrich mm-hmm. with the groups Win Butler and R- Regine, Regine Chasson? Chasson. Yeah, I uh, got Regine. Is this Chasson? Yeah, French Canadian. I don't know. And recorded multiple locations, including New Orleans, El Paso, and Mountain Desert Island. Mountain Desert Island. Yep, desert and not dessert. I'd go live in Mountain Desert Island. Delicious. Yep. Uh, so, the album paradoxically distills the long... That's, that's them saying this. <laughs> uh, quote, the longest we've ever spent writing, uninterrupted probably ever, into a concise 40-minute epic. One as much about the forces that threaten to pull us away from the people we love as it is inspired by the urgent need to overcome them. Mm-hmm. Continuing, quote, Wee's <laughs> cathartic journey <laughs> follows a definable arc from darkness into light over the course of seven songs divided into two distinct sides. A side one. Side I. Side one. Okay. I. Side I, one. We. I. Side one. <laughs> Channeling the fear and loneliness of isolation. And side I, I no. side we. Yes. Expressing the joy and power of reconnection. All right. This is a highfalutin nonsense from a band known for highfalutin nonsense. Oh, I sounded highfalutin nonsense yeah. spewing out of my mouth there. So, no, I just want to make a couple notes here. So 40 minutes actually makes it one of the shorter records they've ever put in. And seven songs is a little misleading because as the name Lightning 1 and 2 implies... It's really two songs that are attached together. You need lightning eye and eye eye. Sure. Uh, so seven songs is really like 14 songs, just like each one is a part one or a part two or part three or part four, etc. So it's it's not as long as it sounds like it's going to be, and also not as short as it sounds like it's going to be. I know that's a paradox. Like, as they say, it's kind of a paradox. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this sounds like. So I listened to the, the single... And, yeah, the Lightning 1, the first half of the song, is very, like, grand, like, U2-style ballad, specifically, like, U2's uh, 2000's comeback. 
Okay. Like around like the early 2000s, like Beautiful Day, etc. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like that, and then which didn't do much for me. But then when the uh, when they go into part two, it really the, like the the rhythm picks up, and it go like and it just takes off, and it's that uh, really good propulsive arcade fire feeling that a lot of people thought they lost after the suburbs. So I'm looking forward to this record if it all sounds that like energetic and that it seems like they got their hearts and souls back in it, then. Sign me up. I'm on board because their some of their music has been my favorite uh, ever. So. This is Grammy Award winning yes. Arcade Fire album of the year award winner <laughs> from 2011 uh, for the suburbs. So yeah, I'm excited for them to be back on their bullshit uh, because it sounds like they are. So keep an eye out for May. Arcade Fire bullshit coming in May. Yes, exactly. That works for people who love them and for people who hate them. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, you listened to some yes. music. I didn't get around to listen to Haley Witters. Uh, I saw it came yeah. out, and then yes, you didn't get around to it. But yeah, out right now as of yeah. today, you can listen to Whew. these three albums. Yeah, so I uh, did some catch up this week. All, I mean, all these came out yesterday, but um, catch up nonetheless. And yeah, um, three completely different things. Uh, uh, this where do you week. want to start? I'll start with Haley Witters because, all right, so. Last year, I talked ex- effusively about Haley Witters' record. I thought it was one of the better country uh, records I heard in a while. I was really impressed by her voice and her uh, range of kinds of songs that she was able to pack into one record. I introduced it to you and the doctor. You both liked it. Um, she's kind of this, like, my initial impression of her is like, oh, she's kind of like got a little bit of an, a Casey Musgraves delivery as well as a little bit of that kind of progressive attitude combined with a more traditional sensibility a la Miranda Lambert like, really good, like, middle ground kind of artist. And I was like, cool, this is great. So, Raised takes a few steps back from that. And I was a little disappointed with it because of it. So, whereas the last record, uh, which I believe was called uh, The Dream, uh, whereas The Dream felt like like more Casey Musgrave style, like, let's approach some familiar country territory, but with a modern edge to it. Well, throw the modern edge out the door because this is her being like, actually, I'm going to embrace the country mainstream. Ooh, so I think she saw what uh, happened to Casey Musgraves. I think she did. And she, instead of what Casey Musgraves was, was basically, I'm going to be only slightly country and kind of largely shed that for something larger. Haley is double downing on the country. She's like, no, I'm going to make a traditional country album with all of the baggage that entails. It, so, uh... So let me ask you some questions. Do you like songs about your hometown? Do you like songs about the boys like driving their trucks and being and being farmers? Do you like talking about like oh you go to college and maybe you lose your way, but you come back home and learn that you were wrong to change your mind about things? Only when it's coming from Eric Church. Well, <laughs> this is very similar it's that to album. that. Uh. I, not to say that this is Eric Church, because I feel like even Eric Church is more progressive than this record. Yes. I don't know what happened. I don't know. It's like a year passes, and all of a sudden Haley realizes, well, if I'm going to really make it in this 10-year town, then maybe I need to like be a little bit more conservative, because that's what this feels like. Oh, no. However, the good news here, that's the bad news. The good news here, though, is that the actual sound on this record, still some of the most pristine-sounding, well-produced country you're going to hear in a while. One thing she is taking from Casey is Casey's records have raised the bar production-wise. This follows that. So it sounds wonderful. And it still sounds like the kind of country music that they stopped making in the 2000s. 
Like, this does not have any of the affected alternative rock kind of stylings that you get when you move into the Jason Aldean era. Mm -hmm. This is still very much a country record, like they used to be. Which is cool, and I'm glad, and that's the part that I enjoy. The first, like, three or four tracks, I was like, all right, this is great. But once she goes back to the old hometown, like, well, one, two, four, teen too many times, I want to say this is a very long record, or at least, if it's not a very long record, it feels like a long record. I think it's like 40 minutes. It's like 45 minutes, but, like, it feels longer because of how many songs just retread the same old ground. So by the end of it, I was exhausted. I was just like... All right, Haley. Like you're good at what you do. Your voice is still impeccable. Your this production and your band is great. But if you're gonna talk about country living for another five songs, I'm falling asleep over here. Make it interesting. So I feel like you will probably have a better time with this record than I will because I feel like your uh, your patience level <laughs> for that kind of subject matter is probably way higher than mine. And this is gonna play so well for the stagecoach. I feel like, well, lunch is going to be there, too. Yeah. I feel like this it is sounds like this album, one, is going to be made for that. But it's, also that you wanted her to take the Miranda Lambert wildcard route. I really where it's did. Very country, but also very modern. Yeah, and she's, it's not that she's not, it's not that the songs don't sound modern, because they definitely do, but it's the subject matter is just so mm -hmm. boring. And I was surprised how many times I was like, from, from The Dream, which at some point lyrically even felt progressive, this does not at all. Like I said, that one specifically that stuck in my craw was there's a song about, like, a, a college-age girl who goes out to college and comes back home. And there's that, this line that really stuck with me for the wrong reasons was, it's like, yeah, she, like, she like oh, her mind starts to change about things. She starts being a free thinker. But then it's okay because she comes home and her parents remind her where she came from. And I'm just thinking, like, hold on. Haley, what are you saying here? You're saying that... These new highfalutin ideas? No, she's wrong, and she should be told she's wrong. <laughs> like, no, let the girl have free thought. Let the girl, like, evolve. Like, the, let the girl figure out her life. I don't know. It just rubbed me really weird for an artist that, like I said, had felt progressive to me. And so, like, all right, okay, if this is who she wants to be, if this is the image she wants to, like, project, then I'll power to her, because, honestly, I think that this might be her breakthrough because of it. I think this is going to get her to a wider country audience. It's going to get her on country radio, for better or for worse. Well, I'll definitely be listening to it. Um, yeah. Stagecoach uh, on the golf course, might be her, her breakthrough moment. I think this, stagecoach is, moment. this is a stagecoach record. 100%. She made the thing that she needed to make for her career, which okay. I can't blame her for, but to me, I'm a little let down on that. But it's still good. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's still a good country record. It's just that for my personal taste... It's not what I wanted her to evolve into. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, speaking of evolving, Charlie XCX. Medium boat favorite, I guess you could say. Charlie XCX. I like that out last album. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was very poppy, very disco -y. We both enjoyed, well, uh, well, you're talking about the one before that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she came out with one in between. Did I miss? Remember, my favorite album of 2020. Yes. How I'm Feeling Now, which yes. you did not like. No. So yeah, so uh, so split. Here's the good news about Crash, her new record. Largely, she is leaving that abrasive PC music produced uh, hyper pop sound behind. Largely, this is a return to form, or at least what a lot of people will set will call a return to form, as this is mostly a pop record now. And the, also, the good news is unlike Charlie, the self-titled record that we talked about two years ago. Mm -hmm. 
it's not packed with features like that record was. One of the problems I had with that record was that if I wanted to hear more Charlie, why is, why is there a guest artist on every single one of these tracks? This finds a balance between two of those worlds. It finds Charlie doing more of the songs herself in more of a pop mode. There's a couple songs that sound like Dua Lipa, for, for instance. There's a couple songs that heavily sample existing pop songs that you'll be like, oh, that's fun. It's a fun way to interpolate this track. And there are even a couple songs that borrow some of that electronic sound from How I'm Feeling Now. And all in a blender, which sounds like, oh, is this kind of like an all-over-the-place mess of a record? Turns out, no, she's managed to make all this sound pretty uniform. I feel like Crash feels like a united album. It feels like a, of a piece of itself. And I think it's really good. I think you'll have a good time with this. I was even telling Christy that who bounced off of Charlie around the Pop 2 era when she started to experiment with electronic mm -hmm. stuff. I think this is, like I, like I said, it's a return to form for a lot of people. I think a lot of people will listen to this and be like, oh, Charlie's back. It's like, oh, she's I think I remember that last album now is very she, yeah. electronic and heavy beat and right. synthesized all over the place. And this is less of that. There's a little bit of that, but this is less of that. I think this is, again, just like Haley, I think this is a return to radio sound. I think this is, I think that Charlie could have a single here. Like Ooh. that's it's returning that much to that kind of that traditional more traditional I guess you could say pop sound, but without sacrificing the things that make Charlie Charlie. There's still a lot of experimentation. There's still a lot of fun sounds. There's still a lot of cute lyrical moments. The one thing that I think is a little bit of a step back from how I'm feeling now, which was a very personal record because obviously it was made in pandemic and wanted to talk about her relationship and really get insular about that kind of era of her life this is less personal in fact there's only really one song the song twice that ends the record that feels like charlie is talking to you about how she feels so i was a little disappointed because i really like that charlie i really like when she's introspective and so losing a little bit of that for the more widescreen arena friendly pop a little disappointing but overall though the record's so good that i don't really care and um i think that it's 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 definitely a highlight easily one of the best pop records of the year check Ooh. out crash i think you'll have a good time with it like i said dua lipa vibes on a few of those songs well we've seen dua lipa in a couple days here <laughs> right so get ready put this on in the car ride and i think it'll give you the like pump up vibes you want <laughs> right then last but not least, just an E.T. to talk about real briefly. We talked about Gail in the top five. Her mm -hmm. ABCDEFU is climbing the charts and is a TikTok favorite. She put out an EP of uh, that song plus four others. Uh, and just kind of trying to ride the kind of Olivia Rodrigo wave of young up-and-coming pop singers. Except with a twist I wasn't expecting. Hey, remember early 2000s Pink? Yeah. You know how like Pink had that like a little bit lower voice, kind of that growl to her voice, and leaned more into rock sounds. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Gale is the new Pink. I'm gonna say what? that right now. This EP sounds like early Pink, and I was like, wow! Like her voice is that kind of got that effectiveness to it, and the way she writes is very similar to Pink, where it's got that kind of like cynical edge to it. There's a lot of really great like funny lyrics there. Like Gale is funny, turns out. Like, and she really shows off with some of the, I wish I could remember some of the lines, but I definitely found myself like, oh shit, okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's fun. Not necessarily for me, of course, I don't really like Pink that much. But if you were that person who was like, when, when like, uh, Don't Let Me Get Me was on that radio, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh shit, she's talking to me. I think this is like, this will remind you of your youth. 
Also, for teenagers, it's a good cathartic rock sound compared to a lot more of the poppy women that surround her in the same kind of era, like in this TikTok-fueled era. So yeah, I was surprised by the Gale EP. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's not necessarily something I'm going to go back to, but I think a lot of people will find find a fun, new, like fresh-sounding voice with Gale. All right, so Gale Pink Duet at the Grammys. Uh, yeah, I, honestly. Dude, dude, bring back MTV uh, Cross... Oh, not Crossroads. What was the thing where they brought Crossover? Legacy? Legacy artists sing with new artists? I forget what that was. Maybe that's just the Grammys, actually. actually that's the Grammys. So yeah, maybe you're right. That is the Grammys. So they always do that. Do that with the Grammys, then. I would, I would, I would think that that would be a perfect fit. Uh, so yeah, those. That's what I listened to uh, this week. Also, I think it is MTV Crossroads. Yeah, but I think that CNT Crossroads was CNC because they Crossroads. brought in like pop artists singing country artists. So that's not what that's not what this is. But okay, because you might be confusing with the Britney Spears movie Crossroads <laughs> in your head. I'm, I'm never thinking about the Britney Spears movie Crossroads. Except now, all of you are thinking about yes. the Britney Spears movie we Crossroads. You, we made you do that. But yeah, that's all I listened to this week. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about Marin Morris next week. Hopefully I'll enjoy mm-hmm. that more than Haley. Yep. Uh, yeah, next week I'll pro- I will listen to Marin Morris. Um, yeah. We'll get my thoughts quickly on Haley Winters. Yeah, listen to Maybe Radio Stim, listen to Crash, and, and see what you think. Yep. And then, like I said, um, between this week and next week, I will be attending a Dua Lipa concert. Yeah. One of the oldest people there, aside from moms. I doubt it. No, no. <laughs> no. I feel like there's going to be a lot of a lot of people in their 30s. <laughs> Well, that's what we're hoping. Days. Yep, that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyways. And we can move on then, unless you listen to anything this week. Uh, nothing new. I right. know that much. All right. All right. So let's move into video games, and we start with new releases, and we have the Rune Factory Five uh-huh. for the Switch, yep. a Memoir Blue for everything, yep. and Ghostwire colon Tokyo for the PS5 and PC. Yeah. And that's it. Nope. Two big releases this week. Okay. Not mentioned. All right. Double drop this week. Yeah. Well, Ghostwire Tokyo also a pretty big deal. So I would say triple triple drop. Triple drop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Double big drop. Uh, two huge franchises. Yes. Uh, the first one for the Switch. Yes. The second one for everything else. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, so Kirby and the Forgotten Land. So excited to dig into this. Already have it pre-ordered. Uh, so yeah, I will definitely talk about this next week. And then I have Tiny Tina's Wonderland, yes. based off the Borderlands, uh, Bunkers and Badasses yes. DLC. We will also both talk about this next week. I have it on my gameplay queue, so hopefully that'll come in in time. So maybe not, actually, because I usually get those on Saturdays. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, Tiny Tina's Borderlands. Uh, I like Borderlands, but 3 was a little bit of a disappointment. Hopefully this does some interesting enough stuff to uh, warrant its own release. So because this is um, the spinoff of Borderlands, it's going to play like Borderlands, but have all the comedy magic. of yeah. magic and um, D&D. Yeah, tabletop RPGs. Tabletop jokes. RPGs, yeah. All fantasy. those kind of jokes and fantasy stuff and yeah. randomness. Attached to it. Yeah, I. In an era in which we've now spent uh, like thirty plus hours listening to Ashley Birch voice a very serious Aloy, it'll be weird to hear Tiny Tina again. <laughs> Ashley Birch is completely <laughs> enigmatic, yeah. crazy. I already have that moment every Saturday morning lately because mm-hmm. she's also the lead character in The Ghost of Molly McGee. Yeah, so it's really funny to play a week's worth of Horizon and then go to that, and then Christy will be like. I can't believe that's the same girl. I'm like, yeah, it's the same girl. <laughs> it's two different, very different modes. 
funny. She has such range. Oh, didn't watch Mythic Quest. She's completely <laughs> different there. Right. <laughs> oh, weird. Anyway. anyway. So, yeah, we'll play both of those, and we'll talk about those next week. Yep. Uh, I'm still debating on which one I want, but I want first. Might be Kirby, Kirby. first. Kirby. Kirby's going to be shorter. It might, that well, much. one, it'll be shorter, but two, it won't <laughs> um, take up my uh, PS5, because Kirby's still with Horizon. Yeah, and you don't have to bore Kristen with it. You can play it on exactly. Switch by yourself. Yep. And maybe she can play it, too. She likes Kirby. It is Kirby. co-op, so yeah. It is I'm co-op, and she likes Kirby. Play a little bit of that with Christy and see how she likes it, too. Anyways, uh, let's get to video game news, yes. and one game you weren't playing this week. <laughs> at least for 30 hours. At least for 30 hours, was Gran Turismo 7. Yes. Because this week, the recently launched, <laughs> yes. big release Gran Turismo the 7. old game, Gran Turismo 7. The servers were offline for more than a day. Yeah. So the servers initially went down on Thursday for an update maintenance. Yes. And were supposed to Returned two hours later. Yeah. However, <laughs> they were down 29, 29 hours. And there was no update until basically the last minute. Yep. Um, uh, there's no update on when they start to be online. Quote, yeah. due to an issue found in update 1.07, <laughs> we will be extending the server maintenance period. Uh, that GT7... Twitter yeah, uh, account posted. Their Twitter account posted. Yep. Yeah. A few hours after the game was supposed to go back online, quote, we will notify everyone as soon as possible <laughs> when this is likely to be completed. <laughs> we apologize for this inconvenience and ask for your patience while we work to resolve the issue. Important note here, if you're sitting at home wondering, wait a minute, isn't this a single player game? Why would the servers being down prevent you from playing it? That's because even though it's a single player game, Gran Turismo 7 is an always online online game, game. which means that if the servers are down, you can't even play it because it's always constantly doing a check to see if you have downloadable cars, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of fans of the GT series were very upset, and it was like, it was like kind of one of those horror stories of people who always talk about like the fears of always online games. It's exactly what they're always talking about. It's the thing that they've been talking about for a decade now. It was the thing when <laughs> Xbox came out and right. said, hey, one, always yeah. online, and everyone freaked, was out. freaked out. Those people felt here vindicated is, this week. Yeah, yeah, here it is happening to Sony, they always like, online. It happened, it happened, it finally <laughs> happened. I mean, no, is one day being away from a game and a deal breaker? Probably not, but I can but understand if the that's the one t- base, Or if that's yeah. the one time you have to play Just the game play the entire week. Yeah, if you're coming home from work on Thursday night and you're like, all right, like, I bought this game. Got my racing wheel. I'm like, I'm all set to play some GT. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't play it at all. Oh, okay. What am I gonna do? Okay. Yeah. Fine. So, I guess I'll go back to Elden Ring. <laughs> right. I guess play more Elden Ring. Or Horizon. Yeah, God forbid. Or Arceus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll talk to my family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who does that anymore? You text yeah. everywhere. Um, so yeah, it, it's silly and maybe a good like example for devs about why maybe this is not the greatest idea in the world. But it's rare and it's probably, if they have their way, will never happen again. Oh well, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is a, a typical maintenance issue. Yeah. Um, they probably updated it. They were doing some testing. I've gone through this with my company where someone yeah. asks, hey, why don't we test this feature? It has like one connection to it. But let's just test it just in case. And then someone found a bug, 
It's like, hey, this isn't working. Is this supposed to be working correctly? All right, let's call people up. Let's see if we can get some people in here to see if this is supposed to be working correctly. And that's typically where delays happen. Right. Speaking of things not happening. Yeah, speaking of things not happening, (laughs) E3 is happening still. But let me finish. (laughs) Electronic Arts EA has confirmed it will no... That EA. Yes, that EA. It will not... Trip Hawkins, 3DO. It has confirmed it won't be holding its traditional Electronic Arts Play Live event in 2022. Rather than host a major product showcase event this summer, the company looks set to spread its game reveals throughout the year. Mm -hmm. An EA spokesperson told IGN, quote, We love EA Play Live as it's our way of connecting with our players and sharing what's new with all of you. However, Mm. this year's things aren't lining up to show you everything on one date. We have exciting things happening at our world-class studios, and this year we'll reveal much more about these projects when the time is right for each of them. We... At EA, look forward to spending time with you, mm-hmm. the customer, throughout the year, 2022. Yeah, I mean... Oh, do you smell <laughs> all that EA bullshit? <laughs> We've talked about this for the last couple of years. Bullshit or not bullshit, this is the new normal. It's us studios finally realizing we don't have to make these like stupid deadlines for our teams, make them crunch ridiculous hours to make a dumb date where we put on a show like they realized like no we could give ourselves more time nobody really cares people are people who are going to buy this product are going to buy the product anyways people who are going to see the demo aren't going to see it on a um ea play origin console exclusive no they're going to go to like see a demo on the playstation or the xbox or the switch or the pc but even more so it's like they're realizing like if we're doing these on live streams on the internet anyways we don't have to do it for any specific date so yeah i i didn't really include the story as oh my god ea is not going to announce their new shit who cares no what this story represents though is that we're continuing into this era of publishers are just going to announce their shit whenever they want now like this is the this is what it is now the pandemic as a forever changed how news rollouts are going to be it's no longer the two times a year thing it used to be like e3 game awards e3 game awards you don't have tgs to packs I mean, TGS yeah, packs. there's more of course but you know what i mean yeah the big, two ones big, un- big ones for the u.s but now even those are not going to be your big dates mm-hmm. there's no e3 this year for instance as we talked about for like a few months ago like it's just it's not like it's a new internet age. It's whenever they want to show their thing, they're going to show their thing, and they have the complete freedom to do it whenever they want. Case and point. On Thursday, yeah. Hogwarts Legacy yeah. reveal. I didn't have that in the news this week because I was like, eh, Harry Potter. Well, what? But, it's yeah. just a reveal, but... I mean, yeah, that game looks like what everybody thought that game was going to be. Like, big goofy do, But they had the chance to show it, so they did. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that kind of thing. It's like, it's just going to be throughout the year. And to me, as somebody who loves video games... That's better, right? Yeah. I don't want to have to wait till July to get everything that I want. Like, just drip feed me all year long, and then it's like, oh, cool. I mean, we, we have had drip feed. We had yeah. um, uh, Nintendo and yeah. Pokemon, like, two weeks ago. Right. We had an actual, like, indie dev state of play, yeah. like, two weeks ago as well, or three weeks ago before that. 
Uh, then this week we had um, Hogwarts Legacy, state of play specifically for it for 20 minutes. Um, just drip feed that stuff. Right, yeah. Just keep it going. Just constant it serotonin all year. Everyone's going to be, <laughs> like, I hate to say this, but all the um, video game industry players are finally playing well together in this <laughs> constant feed of drip news yeah. that they'll each get their own week instead of trying to fight over each other, each other yeah. for the one month that is yeah. E3. Yeah. Anyway, I just, yeah, I just thought it was a, just a continued trend going into uh, probably forever, probably the future, I'd say. Yep. Anyway. Hey, I'm fine with that. Uh, no real video game thoughts this week. I mean, we can, we're continuing to slog through Horizon. Uh, yeah, one big thing about Horizon, which um, I, we knew going into the game, yeah. that it was going to be big and yeah. a while to complete, but... Ooh, oh, man, what are we... A month now into it? We're a month into it. We're both, Two like, months? level 32, 33. We're, like, not even close. Either of us. I'm even further back than he is because I was just doing uh, side quests and filling out the map. So, like, yeah, that thing is going to be probably another probably another month in the tank for me, at least. <laughs> exactly. So, jeez, it's a game that just keeps on giving. But I'm still having a good time with it. That's the important part is right. that we're still, still having fun. We still want to go back to that well. There's you, so much to do. Speaking of going back to well, did you go back to any Elden Ring this week? Uh, nope. That's Drop actually like hot. that's the game uh, I did once. Yeah. Because uh, I saw someone online do a speed run of it in 30 minutes. Uh, I was like, hey, right. I'll try that. Did not work out for you? Did not work out because I was not running fast enough. I kept wanting to watch all the cutscenes. I mean, let me know when you're done with that disc because... I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like I'm curious enough to try it for like a couple hours, and then if I don't, if I'm not liking it, then I'll bail. But like, I just want to see what what's up. I just want to see what's up with Elden Ring. Well, we'll talk after. Yeah, maybe we figure something out. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's pretty much all the video games we played. Like I said, we'll talk about uh, prop definitely Kirby next week. Mm-hmm. M- maybe some Wonderlands, depending on how much time we have with that. Yep. I will say um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel on my phone. <laughs> Still on it. One, uh, not as consistent, not an everyday thing, but it's like, there. huh, it's there. Like I can like get a quick duel in every now and then. Yeah. Lose by someone who has an actual better deck because <laughs> they're actually like crafting the deck and I'm actually, trying to use a starter deck. Good job. Yeah, actually putting a thought into it. Yeah, actually putting a thought into it. But I like all the uh, the solo mode challenge modes that they do there. Yeah, still like still it's, waiting for that Pokemon equivalent to come out this year. I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's going to do dangerous things to me. Yep. Anyway. All right. Let's move on to the yep. second half of the show with television. We always start television with the sports corner. And of course, big sports news. A, March, it's mad. Madness continues as brackets have got busted this week because two upsets happened. <laughs> St. Peter's has upset Kentucky and Richmond upset Iowa. That's right. 15-seeded St. Peter's upsets two-seeded and blue-chip school Kentucky. And while not an upset, but made me upset, I unfortunately saw Cal State Fullerton lose badly to Duke last night. Oh, were you (laughs) surprised? I was not surprised. Neither was Christy, uh, a, a Carolina's uh, uh, native herself. South Carolina, yes. though, for her. When, when but, you draw <laughs> Duke. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> all right, this is, this is a... But it was sad to see our hometown heroes. They did okay. They were always they, within, they, like, 20 to 30 points away. Like, it was hey, never it, a crazy, like... No, they, they held their own yeah. until, like, the last five minutes, and then Duke yeah, it just, just fell like, apart. fell apart. But also, I was just like, every time they would... Get, uh, every time they would, eat, like, approach... 
like 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 a, like an opportunity to score they'd whip it and i was just like mm-hmm. this is really painful to watch that's why uh <laughs> thankfully uh cbs and all those affiliate networks yeah have all the little score boxes right. at the top I was like, so oh, i was like oh some more interesting game yeah. happening over here yeah let me just jump over here real quick see that's the thing is i'm not really a basketball person so to me i was like no i'm Ride or die with this. I want to see how this happens. Oh, I'm see, I'm not a basketball person either, but I want to yeah. see a good ending to a good game. I mean, yeah, also, it was the second uh, uh, disappointing game I saw all day because MLB Spring Training Baseball has started. I watched the opener uh, for the Angels in Arizona. We got a home run? Yes, Joe Adele <laughs> coming out of the gate strong with an amazing-looking swing. Uh, and, hey, one of our new pitchers, Lorenzano, looks great out there. Mm-hmm. Dude, he's so bulked. Remember when we drafted seven pitchers two years ago? Yeah, it's paying off yep. already. One game in. Except, of course, I was like, all right, got to get my ring fit in. I won't finish this game, right? Note, when I left the game, it was 8 to 6. When I'm done working out, it is 8 to 10. <laughs> and the Angels have lost. I was like, man. So apparently in the eighth, eighth, in the eighth inning, they really came back. And I was like, oh, man, three runs in the eighth. Whatever. Anyway, so yes, baseball is back. Yep, spring training. Oh. Two weeks of spring training. It felt or three weeks, my bad. Three weeks of spring training. So good. I yeah, it felt One, so good two. to just watch a game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. About two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. Oh. Opening day is Wait. April seventh. I'm already looking at um uh, starting to get tickets. Uh, we're considering going uh going to a game in June when the Red Sox are in town. Um, Thursday night. Do you guys June want? 9th. Well, we'll talk off that. Yeah, we'll talk off that. Like, I said we have tickets to the Dodgers game. Oh right, that's true. Yes. So, uh, I, yeah, um, we might think about that. I don't know because we were like, oh, but yeah, far but also and... because baseball's back, we're gonna look at doing some brunch and baseball. Oh hell yes! Oh hell yes! Brunch and baseball time. All right, uh, but yeah, that's not the only sports happening though because you sent me a text <laughs> about the insanity that is the NFL free agency frenzy that's happening right now. Oh yeah. So, before NFL Draft, which is next week of all the new rookie players, NFL Free Agency and the start of the new NFL season mm-hmm. has begun. It's upon us. Yeah. And people are being traded everywhere. Yes. Which means this is the part where we have to say our two cents about <laughs> Deshaun Watson. <laughs> all right. What, is, what, what you got? I hate him. <laughs> I'm glad you're going to Cleveland. Uh-huh. You're going to go die in Cleveland. Oh, shit. As uh, your career is going to go die in Cleveland. We got beef. That is, if you ever make it to the field, as you're still in litigation for eight different oh! cases. <laughs> so there you go, Deshaun Watson. You heard. You oh, heard. Not, not only that, but uh, the podcast got your ass. <laughs> yeah, except he also got two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed, yeah, the highest yeah. in the NFL. Uh, uh. Oh, and then some. Shit about Tom Brady decided he doesn't want to be a dad anymore. Yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that. Man, this has been a week in sports, huh? Oh, let me just read we didn't talk about, When you talk about baseball, we didn't even talk about the wild trades happening there, too. Oh, no. Like, uh, we t- Fred Freeman we went to the Dodgers? The, we didn't talk about the Dodgers freaking, like, being the most, like, star-studded team on the earth. And in comparison, the Oakland A is disintegrating. Yes, both Max <laughs> left the Oakland A's. Wait, no, what the hell? It was a Matt Hoff, Matt Pocalypse over there. It was a madhouse. <laughs> Well, it's no longer a madhouse now. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Like, just some of the trades happening. Like, but yeah, the Dodgers look unbeatable. Yep. Russell Wilson went to the Broncos. Yeah. Devontae Adams went to the Raiders. <laughs> Carson Wentz, finally yeah. out of Indy, went to the Commanders. 
Yeah. Uh, Amari Cooper out of Dallas. I guess the lesson here is, regardless of what sport you're following right now, if trades are happening, your team is likely affected. So check your set, like check your uh, your charts there. Check your team because something wild just happened. Oh yeah, and the Rams picked up Allen Robinson for some reason. Out of the, uh, crazy. Well, chaos in sports. Chaos in sports. Any other sports uh, chaos we need to talk about before we move on? Yes, hockey continues to be hockey, hockey. and think. Chaos everywhere. Yeah. How are the Kraken doing? I haven't been following them. Oh, the, uh, they're struggling. They're struggling? Yeah. But then again, so are the Golden Knights. Oh, they shit. They may not miss, make the playoffs. Like five you, games out. How are you Kings? How are you oh, Kings? second place in the West. Oh, right hell yeah. Hell there yeah. Go. We, got, uh, the, we got pretty secure. All right, cool. But, you know, we still got to win games. Yeah, that, that's important. For it's them. important. Let's move on then out of sports and into uh, and, oh, uh, NBA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, basketball. Continues right. as well. Non-college. Professional basketball. Yes. Both professional and uh, amateur. Right. Yeah, well, are they technically amateurs if they are getting paid through the NIL? I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a gray area like there. The NCAA is also trying to figure that out. Yeah, huh, that's a gray area there. Huh. Anyway, let's move on into television news uh, while we are steamrolling through this podcast like this. Uh, let's talk about animation because, hey, the Annie Awards happened. If you don't know what those are, they, of course, are the Oscar equivalent for the animation scene, both film and television animation gets awarded here. Netflix had a big night. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines was your big winner in the film categories with Netflix's Arcane, that would be the television show uh, based on League of characters from League of Legends, dominated the television categories. Arcane led all winners with nine trophies overall, including general production TV. It won in each of the categories for which it was nominated, including Ella Purnell for voice acting, writing, and then for, for voice acting, also for writing, yes. animated effects, character animation, character design, production design, storyboarding, and directing. If you've seen even five minutes of that show, you can see why. It just looks incredible. Do I want to watch it ever? No, but it's a nice thing to look at. Meanwhile, media boat favorite, The Mitchells vs. the Machine, won victory in the marquee Best, best Feature Race. Which also makes it a front runner, uh, leading to the Oscars next month. So fingers crossed. Yep, it beat Encanto. Yeah, we'll see if it can do the same <laughs> thing to a classically Disney-loving voting populace for the Oscars. I don't know if it can. That's not where my money is, as well. What I'm saying. <laughs> Last year, speaking of which, speaking of money, next Sunday, lockdown or no, this Sunday. This Sunday, you like you have a day. You have a day to lock down your predictions. Yep, I gotta look at that again today. Um. Last year, the eventual animated Oscar winner Soul from Pixar won the top Annie, which is the 14th time in 20 years that the Society for the Annies and the Academy have matched the top picks. So if you're a betting person, keep that in mind. The odds are in their favor. The film also won directing, writing, voice acting for Abby Jacobson. Oh, congratulations, Abby. Editing, animated <laughs> effects, media boat favorite, Abby Jacobson. Animated effects, character design, and production design. So... Congratulations to our hey. and Mitchells vs. Machines. Rod City, getting it done. Oh. Um, one thing I do have to say, though, is uh, kind of disappointed for uh, the Disney animated uh, television show, Amphibia, uh, Amphibia and Owl House, getting kind of shut out by Arcane. Disappointed, because I know they were both up for mm -hmm. for awards here, and I would have loved to see them get get some credit for the amazing runs that they had last year. Yes, but you also realize that Arcane had the unique art, art style. Know, but still, like, come on. And the delved rich backstory for one season. For fucking Amphibious True Colors by itself, it should have won something. Yes, like, you're right. I just watched it again with Christy. 
It's so good. It's just so, still such an amazing finale to that second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, Amphibia and Alhas are back today, by the way. Uh, if you're listening to this while we're recording it, Saturday the 19th. Uh, check out Disney Channel. They were both having their uh, premieres today for uh, the second half of their uh, season threes, I believe. So yeah, we're season three. That, or season two, I believe, for Alhas. So, yeah. Go check that out. That was the Annie Award. Congratulations to the Annie Awards. Yeah. Congratulations to Netflix winning on both TV and film side. We'll okay. see if any of that translates to Oscar and Emmy gold. But speaking of Netflix, they're in our little uh, bucket of streaming bits this week for eh, not so great reasons. <laughs> They've had a week. I might as well just start with them. First off, they're soon launching a test letting primary account holders pay an additional fee if Netflix figures out there are users outside their households, which, of course, is a new attempt by the company to address illicit password sharing. We knew that they were looking into ways to get around the password mm-hmm. sharing that everybody does with Netflix, and this is one of the things they're trying out. They're basically what do you mean everybody does? Prompt. I don't. Oh, I don't know. Than that yeah. This basically <laughs> means that if you log in, you might get a notification saying, hey, we noticed that there's other people using your account. Do you want to maybe... Kick us some money. Do you want to kick us some money to pay for those? It's weird. I don't know if it forces you into that situation or not. I'm not really sure how it works because I have not gotten this prompt. Right, because we don't share a password yeah, outside. Yeah, of course not. We would never do that. Yes. But you wouldn't download a car. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't share a password to a car, would you? Anyway, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's stupid. They're also, in the, you don't have this, but this, they're also. Oh, the Russia thing? Big, no. Um, the other big thing that happened. So, fan, we'll talk about this later when we talk about... Actually, we won't. We don't have it. Um, uh, then I guess I do have to talk about it here. What? The Netflix canceled fan favorite The Babysitter's Club this week. Which, oh, I thought we talked about that last week. No, uh, we didn't. That elicited um, an interview with the creator in which the creator of uh, Babysitter's Club... I don't think so. Because it was like last... week. Babby. Baby. Oh, because the news... <laughs> Because uh, the news said it was like uh, last Friday. Well, regardless of whether we talked about it, that's why I thought I, I, that, I. Regardless, the interview uh, came out uh, like with a uh, with the creator, basically breaking down how she felt like there's a little bit of a double standard in Netflix, where stuff that is successful by all metrics when you compare to other streaming services like HBO Max are not successful for Netflix. Netflix is constantly looking mm-hmm. for the next big thing, your next squid game, and so thus is more willing to cancel something that has a very strong critical and audience support because it's not big, because it's not as big as they want it to be. No, it's because it doesn't reach, um, it's because they don't own the IP. One, they don't own IP for that it. Too. But two, uh, because it doesn't reach outside of viewing. Yeah. If you notice Squid Game, it reached into YouTube, into <laughs> parody, into yeah. all that stuff. If it doesn't, um, same thing with, um, what was it? The show I don't like. <laughs> they could be a lot of shows. Yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yes. How that led into uh, to, uh, video games, board games, pop figures. Right. Out stuff in outside revenue no, from I, the show. I get what Netflix is saying. What I'm saying is that that sucks. And oh, it definitely like sucks. A lot of people, I'm not saying so that it it's good. I'm con- just saying yeah. it's a business. <laughs> yes, I know. But, but but one of the things that happened this week was from that interview became like a basically the gates opened for everybody to talk about like, oh, yeah, and this show and this show and this show. Here's all these examples of things that Netflix just gave up on. 
and it sucks because like it's super popular like she even said like numbers wise if you look at even the most successful show on hbo max mm -hmm. it was still doing worse than babysitter's club was doing on netflix so it's like what the hell like what are you doing why are you sh like cutting these shows off at the knees when they're like super popular like what are you doing i like, get it you're not gonna get like like tiktok numbers in in china like but still, like that's not like the Netflix is doing it wrong, is what I'm saying. It's like they should embrace both of these things. They should embrace all levels of success, not just the world-shattering numbers. Because if they focus on those few shows that break through, people are going to drop their Netflix accounts. No one will care. And they're taking a risk here. I think that this is a little peek into the future of ultimately when Netflix does fail. Is I think that it's when they give up on the shows that people like. Or when those shows go to other streaming services because <laughs> deals are up. Yeah, so we'll see if if. Uh, but yeah, it just sucks. I just wanted to mention that 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 was kind of a big television story this week that we almost didn't talk about. So yeah, um, important to note. But meanwhile, speaking of Netflix shows that are yeah. leaving, so Netflix shows that used to be on Netflix moving to a different uh, different channel include, like we talked about briefly last week. The Marvel shows. Um, so this includes Marvel content that was on Netflix as Daredevil and everything that sprung from Daredevil. Yep, like the, uh, Jessica the, Jones. The Defenders and, universe. Yes, and um, yeah, all those shows. Luke Cage, Luke Iron, Cage Fist, Iron Fist, The Defenders, those and now Punisher. have a new home on Disney+. And if you log into Disney+, Plus this week, you might notice it is now giving you a prompt asking, hey, are you an adult? <laughs> so, yeah, this is because this content make, marks the first uh, TVMA-rated uh, content on the service. Well, besides um, content-flagged uh, stuff like Get Back, mm -hmm. uh, which also had occasional things, and I believe the folklore doc? Uh, yeah, because it has Spock. She does yeah. actually, actually, like, they do not edit yes, some they songs in that. So, yeah, besides those two things, this is the first time that Disney is like, all right. Yeah, the long con sessions. So, yeah, so it is now age gating and will allow you to age gate the content so you do have children. So, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, if you ever wanted to catch up on all those shows, which from what I understand have a big ramp down in quality as it goes on, especially Iron Fist, which nobody liked. Yes, you say that. <laughs> Except uh, Disney and uh, has announced that they will looking to add a season to Daredevil okay. for exclusively Disney Plus because of that was the Charlie one Cox. Once the one people like to yeah. because Charlie Cox showed up in <laughs> uh, Spider-Man No Way Home right, and then right, Vincent right. Nofrio showed up right, in so. Hawkeye that hey, this is a thing. Let's We're trying to make this canon now. now. Exactly. Which they are also brought in the entirety of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all seven seasons and that uh <laughs> Right. buffoonery of <laughs> TV writing and loops and limos that they have to yeah. um, maneuver to say, hey, this is all relevant, but all also happens. it's not big enough for a movie. <laughs> but we still need some kind of world-ending stakes somewhere. Um, it'll be interesting to see if um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness ties in any of this stuff, <laughs> as we'll see in right. May in two short months. We'll <laughs> see what they end up doing with that mess. Oh. Speaking of mess, uh, or at least cleaning up a mess, I will say, the other shoe is dropped with Discovery and Warner. They finally have confirmed its plans to combine Discovery Plus and HBO Max into one service rather than the Disney Plus approach. 
offering two platforms as a bundle. So this will not be like separate price for both of them or one price for two separate logins. Mm -hmm. They're just going to roll it all into HBO Max is what I imagine. Oh, yeah. Which is great news for people who maybe liked Discovery Plus in theory but didn't like paying $10 a month for it by itself. (laughs) Are you looking at me? Because, yes, that is me. I'm also looking at myself because I was also this person. Like, yes, would it be great to have every episode of Diners, uh, Drivers, and Dives at my fingertips? Yeah, it would be. But do I want to pay a separate amount for it with its own login? God, no. So, yeah, I'm glad that they're just going to roll everything into HBO Max. So, that's good news. Yes. And yes, that's not just the Food Network. That's all the yeah. HTC shows, yeah. the home building shows, yes. uh, A&E. I think TLC's in there all as well. All that fun stuff. So, real briefly, uh, to wrap up the bits here, one bit you don't have that I want to talk about real briefly. Um, other streaming service news, Paramount Plus. If you're curious at all about it, and you're also a Microsoft Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, oh. right now it is a special uh, Game Pass perk for a 30-day trial for Paramount Plus if you uh, go through their thing. So log into your Xbox if you have Game Pass Check it out. Gives you a full 30-day trial for Paramount Plus if you want to try it out. So, check it out. So, if you want to watch Halo, this is how you can watch Halo. Ooh, can we talk about Halo? Even though we didn't watch it? I didn't watch Halo, but if you want to talk about Halo. Ooh, I want to talk about how the internet's bashing Halo so much. So, let's move into thoughts, I guess. Starting with your thoughts about Halo, like, Mr. Halo's face. Oh, (laughs) yes. I just sent you Mr. Halo's face. You sent me Mr. Halo's face. So, sorry. It's John, a.k.a. Master Chief. Has now been revealed. Uh, they took his helmet off in the television show. Which is the one thing like. I said they shouldn't do. He's the most generic white guy I've ever seen. Default characters. Yeah, he's literally default <laughs> created characters. Default created character. I told you. The internet has had a field day with this. I told you I always imagined Master Chief was black, and boy, am I wrong. Yeah, with the deep voice. Yeah, check well, out, right? I mean, that's, I, mean I figured that was just a voice modulator. That, that way, anyone can be under the no, helmet and no, not he talks like this. Just, generic this white guy. This is just his voice. I need a weapon. <laughs> the Covenant. The Flood. Finish the fight. Anyway, sorry. Yes, his face. Yes, anyways. Yes, very generic white guy. So what is the internet saying? Um, So there was an interview. One, it sucks. Two, (laughs) there was an interview done um, (laughs) with, I think it was Variety, with Uh the showrunner. All right. And he basically said that, came out and said that we didn't watch, or uh, we didn't (laughs) play play Halo games. We didn't use that as our source material. (laughs) So what ends ends up being is a generic Space Marine Epic with a Halo skin thrown on top of it. Right, yeah. And that's what people didn't want. Right. That's what people feared when they first started this. Yeah. And the fears have come true. I mean, what did we expect it to be, honestly? Well, you got the guy from The Expanse who just wanted to do another thing of The Expanse. So do you think that does this bode bode badly for the God of War thing adaptation? Because we know the Expanse people are involved in that too. Maybe. Oh no. I don't know. Like it could be god shit. Greek god shit. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I never had any sort of inkling that Halo was going to be good. I mean, those stories will not translate. Even if they did try to translate the stories from the video games into television, it wouldn't work. So. I guess I commend them to a certain extent for doing something original, just doing a sci-fi story with it. But at least make it watchable. Like, at least make it something that's like, well, this is at least a good one of those. 
But the fact is, it sounds like it's even a bad one of those, which means they they whipped it on both counts. They made something that Halo fans don't want, and also sci-fi fans don't want. Yep. So what's the point? Yeah, you're right. So like maybe it's good that we're not watching Halo. Was on my radar, anyways. But what are you watching? Because you watched a couple of things this week. Yeah. So we uh, let's start with the spinoff first, because yeah. we'll get to your thoughts on Winning Time. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it. Oh, I thought you did. You watched more of it. Yeah, I watched the second episode at least. Okay. All right, uh, let's start with that one first. Then Adam McKay. Yeah, well, let's talk about Winning Time. So yeah, I watched ten minutes of this. I was like, man, this is Adam McKay, and I turned it off. You, however, lasted through. Tell I lasted through two episodes of Winning Time. Winning Time. Uh, Winning Time. The Lakers. Lakers. I like the Lakers. I love the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I like this whole era dynasty of the LA Lakers and uh, also the LA Leakers. Yes. Uh, the of getting Irvin Johnson, Irvin Magic Johnson. Yes. Um, to the Lakers and becoming the winning dynasty from Jerry Buss. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much Jerry Buss was going to be in here. Oh, yeah. It seems Justin to be a, Riley it's is about the him. thing. Yes. It's about his character. Yeah, well, it's based off the book Showtime, which right. is about <laughs> Jerry Buss buying the Lakers and turning into what it is. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. It does do the whole Adam McKay thing of talk to the camera. I want to talk directly to the camera, right. give you the inside track here of what's about to happen, yeah, or of how I really think about these people, even though we're like trying to save the HP. And it does take you out of it. Uh-huh. How much of that do you actually like? Like it is constant, right? Yeah. It is everybody who does this. So it seems like your appreciation for that little quirk of Adam McKay's work will. Uh, maybe being your, like, litmus test to how much you enjoy this. Yeah, but also, um, it's not clean, but that's on purpose. So, it, the way it's shot is a very docu-esque series in, set in the 70s, so it's very grainy, it's very mm-hmm. unclean. On purpose. It's on purpose. Look like it's taking place in the... 70s to 80s. Yeah, and then randomly it'll cut to some uh, 4x3 8mm film. <laughs> yeah, just, just so, like, hey, see? like This actually happened. Roll the tape. Someone was filming this. So, yeah, I was curious about that because from the beginning it seems like, okay, this is a fiction, like, this feels like a fictional interpretation of real-life events. Even in the beginning. They but, say it's a fictionalized yeah, interpretation of the events. at the same time, it seems like they're ha- trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit because it does kind of have moments of, like, all of a sudden it's a documentary. So are they trying to do both? It definitely feels like they're trying to do both. Yeah. Of making a Hollywood story, like none of this actually happened. Most of it actually happened. Mm-hmm. We just need to condense some stuff to make it um, palatable. Okay. But at the same time, they're shooting it like a very documentary style but even then, it breaks because it <laughs> breaks from the single camera angle right. to the multiple to multi camera angle. It's a uh, it's a weird show. <laughs> At least it's uh, yeah. I wish fun? they had picked one direction to go with it. Yeah, because do you want to actually do a documentary, say like Last Dance, this and actually talk about what happened, or do you want to make an Adam McKay movie out of it? And I feel like they broke even with that idea. They're yeah. like, well, this has to be a series because it's too long to be a movie. And then also, we want it to be funny in that Adam McKay style. Well, so that's why you get Adam McKay. So we have to do it stylized. 
But I feel like doing it stylized sacrifices so much of what it could be, like I was talking about last week, which is like, if this was more straightforward, if this was just telling me about the events, I'd probably love it. But it's not that. They sacrifice too much of what that could be for making it a prestige comedy. And I'm like, I don't want that. It's also an hour long, so it's not really a comedy. It's a <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if what the hell they're trying to do with it. Uh, like you said, they want their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, so, yeah. I'll, I'll continue watching it, but I'm <laughs> curious to see what the doctor or yeah, uh, yeah. the bill think of this. <laughs> your uh, your mileage may vary. Yeah, especially uh, on your um, love sure. or hate of the Lakers and and Adam McKay. Adam McKay. So there you go. It's winning time yep. on HBO and HBO Max. Yep. Anyway. Anyways, I watched another thing. Okay. On Netflix, spinoff on Netflix. Yeah, what is this? Uh, Human Resources is the spinoff from Big Mouth. It's also your favorite, uh, uh, your favorite team at your job. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> um, in uh, Big Mouth, they have the hormone monster, uh-huh. but throughout the seasons, they bring in other different fantasy creatures sure. who represent the different type of feelings and emotions. Yeah. Um, within uh, that people use to grow up. And have in them, whatever. Um, like <laughs> love bugs, um, logic rocks, uh, hormone monsters are back. Sure. Uh, so, Human Resources is the spinoff of Big Mouth, where it's more focused on that world right. of the human resources. So, sounds a little inside outy in concept. A little, yeah, it is very inside out in concept. Right, okay. Where it, they work, um, their jobs, their jobs are, are to, to help, help the human, the human grow up. Yes, except they're not growing up in this series. Uh, okay, what they're doing is they're focusing on adult characters ah. who have adult problems of commitment issues, uh-huh. of temptation, of um, addiction, of. Birth, even of new love, of love for a child, of yeah. um, like family love. I feel like I know the answer to this question, and I'm going to be disappointed by it. Is it as ugly as Big Mouth is? Like look wise, it's the exact same. Ugh, thing. gross! I knew that was going to be the answer. It's the exact same look. Got it. <laughs> exact same look. Exact same art team. That's the thing exact same keeps, comedy. That's the thing that keeps me from Big Mouth. It's like they know that there's quality stuff in there. I just can't get past how gross everything looks. I just can't do it. I just can't watch it for 30 minutes. I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to see that. Well, whereas Big Mouth is about puberty and focuses heavily on puberty and first-time emotions, Human Resources at least takes the step back and says, okay, these are adults who have lived with these emotions, lived with these kind of um, resources, just the monster resources with them. So they've lived with them. They they know how to communicate with them on a constant level. Mm-hmm. And so, in turn, they have their emotions more in check. But <laughs> yeah. what happens when those emotions right. don't want to be in check? Yeah, what happens when they need to, need that help? Yes. All of a sudden, something happens. Yeah. So it's a different take on Big Mouth because it's not growing up. It's living with and dealing with these internal emotions externally as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a the always Big Mouth fantastical world right. that it lives in. Right. 
I don't know if I liked it better because of this. Well, it seems like like Winston's gonna away from the the kids and talk about adult problems, probably more relatable for an adult audience, and yeah. so that may be affecting some of that. It's like okay, this is a little bit more relatable to me. Yeah, so I don't know if it's like just like trying to like poke me, like hey. You. This you. is exactly this is for, for you. you. Yeah, like, oh, do I want the cartoon to well, they, point the mirror at me? Ah. Because that was always the weird thing that we talked about when we talked about Big Mouth when it premiered. It's like, mm-hmm. who's this for? Because yes. a lot of it seems like this would be really educational for kids that are this age going going through these things. But at the same time, it's like, also, this is super <laughs> dirty. And dirty super, and R-rated. Not even I would yeah. want a 13-year-old to see. So it's like, it was this weird thing that was like, why does this exist? What is this for? Exactly. Whereas this seems like they're correcting that a little bit. Being like, okay, well, we know who's actually watching this show. Let's maybe age this up a little. Let's talk about issues that these people who are already our audience are going through. But feel, but have the same kind of approach. Right, but at the same time, you don't want it to be too preachy. And it does yeah. barely, like tiptoe that line of are we being preachy here of how you should feel how you should act and behave and that's tricky yeah and it's easy when you're talking down to kids because adults know better right exactly this is different because this is like these issues are a little bit more ambiguous like yeah like i could see where it's like oh maybe this is not the universal answer to this question yeah that's true like it's easy for to have the shame monster with kids because they're shamed and afraid of everything. everything yeah but when you have it with an adult, it's like, am I really shameful about this, or am I just don't want to confront my fears here? Right. Tough question. So if you want to ask yourself these tough questions, yeah, human resources. There you go on yeah, Netflix. On Netflix, maybe educational, maybe therapeutic. Yeah, because they'll they'll give Big Mouth spinoff, but they won't renew Babysitters Club. <laughs> which that with that, let's move on to cancellations and renewals. Yep. As I mentioned, Babysitters Club canceled after two seasons on Netflix. NBC has canceled New Amsterdam after five seasons. I was actually surprised Woo! by this because, like, it seemed I'm not... like this was going to be one of those shows that lasted forever inexplicably. Oh, they already did the baby episode. They already yeah. did the wedding episode. Right. So how much out. can you do with the main character, they who is out. your sole main character? It's not an ensemble. Yeah. As much as they want an ensemble to be, it's about a main character guy. Yeah. The same problem they had with uh, Ordinary Joe, which got canceled last week. Right. Speaking of NBC chopping things down before it's uh, before it grows up, the courtship canceled after just two episodes. Yes, all remaining episodes will air, <laughs> I think, on Hulu. Peacock? Maybe Peacock. That would that would be weird if it was going to be on Hulu, but okay, sure. Wait, maybe Peacock, maybe Hulu. Uh, it's going to streaming. But yeah, two <laughs> episodes of the courtship and then shipped out. Nothing. Yeah. And then if you're an anime fan, uh, classic anime fan, uh, uh, they just announced there will be even more. FLCL, a.k.a. Fooly Cooly. Uh, so if you're a fan of that series, I've heard okay things about it. It feels like something I might like, but I've never been able to find a place I can watch the original. So this is the second season of the, the reboot. reboot. Right. Yes, because they already did They tried Fooly this Cooly. already four years ago or so? Yeah, or two years. Something they announced like it four years ago. I think it aired two years ago. Okay. But yeah, the reboot um, will get a second season, so... For those who are fans of the original, yeah. that only had the one season, and it ended, we can get actually more now. But the best news of the week, in my opinion, they're bringing back Abbott Elementary on ABC for a second season. Thank God. Hey! Have you been watching this? Yes. Thank God, because, yeah, easily the best sitcom on television right now. The best new sitcom, at least. It's been know. great. I'm still it's liking been... uh, the new The Wonder Years. Yeah, yeah, I have not delved into that, but I've heard okay things. But yeah, I'm having a good time with it. I'm that telling you, it's on a, the, the first half season, half the first season is on Disney Plus right now. Yeah, you can get into it. Yeah, I'm checking it out. 
I guess I think the thing that keeps me away from it is that it's a period piece. And I'm like, oh, I really, Don't you narrate really want it. that. Yeah, I know, like, I know period pieces. I'd rather, like, if I'm getting that too much of that for movies this year. Right. And so I'm like, for television, I'm like, let's keep it modern for now. <laughs> but yeah, um, good news for fans of Abbott Elementary. I'm glad that they're getting more episodes because that's such a strong show. Yep. All right. Deaths. A couple deaths this week. William Hurt. Yes, that William Hurt, age 71. Uh, storied actor, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Broadcast News, Incredible Hulk, etc., 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 will be missed for sure. Uh, you can guarantee that William Hurt will be on your in memoriam at the Oscars. Yep. Um, I, that's in two weeks. Did the yeah. deadline pass? No? I don't think they. I don't think. Because typically there has to be a deadline before yeah, you submit photos. I don't think so. I think they'll definitely ma- manage to fit him in. I think they'll finish pretty That'd be weird. But yeah, uh, William Hurt, uh, if you don't know that name, yeah. but you watch a lot of Marvel films, yeah. he is uh, Thunderbolt Ross, General Ross in right. the MCU. Right, but also before that. But before yeah. that, yes. Like, long career. Yes, broadcast news. If you haven't seen it, yes. go watch it. Yeah, yeah, classic. And then if you're a fan of wrestling, you'll be sad to know that Scott, ha- Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, mm-hmm. uh, passed away this week, age 63, Hall of Famer in the WWE. Yep. As a wrestling reporter here, do you want to elaborate? Um, big heel yeah. in the 90s. Uh, unfortunate that he had to pass. Um, yeah. It was due to complications from a hip surgery uh, that did not go well. Right. It's super unfortunate, super sad news. It's super sad. Um, also super sad news on William Hurt, prostate cancer. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah. Rough ones. Stop, rough ones. Rough ones in this week. Yep. But what's not rough as we move into the movie section, was the box office as it pretty much went as you expected. The Whoa, Batman, are we speeding through this? We are, we are. I told you we would. Uh, the Batman is your number one movie again this week, another $66 million. Uh, that's at 239 domestic. Your number two, hopping up a little bit from last week, Uncharted, back at number two, with $9 million. That's at $113 million. Not bad. Number three, BTS, Permission to Dance on Stage, Soul, Leave... Oh, sorry, live. Live viewing. <laughs> live viewing, uh, which is the film concert film uh, for BTS. $6.8 million debut. Number four, Dog. Another $5.2 million for that. $47 million domestic. And rounding out your top five, it won't go away, even though just launched on digital this week, Spider-Man No Way Home with another $4 million. That's at $792 million. Will that it means... make it to eight hundred? Nope, it will not, unless it gets the re-release. <laughs> ah! IMAX re-release coming soon. Just hit the eight hundred million. <laughs> yeah. Then mm. this week in new releases, The Lost City. What yep. is The Lost City? So out right now is oh, X this is that Emma. Sandra Bullock thing. Yep. Right. They've been advertising this for like three months. Yeah. So yeah, new next week on the twenty fifth is yes. The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and um, Beefcake McGee. Right. <laughs> Channing Tatum. Yes, Channing Tatum. Yes. Media vote favorite, Danny Chatham. Also, Daniel Radcliffe's in this thing. Uh, yeah, inexplicably. Weirdly, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Lost City, a- about Sandra Bullock, who's a writer, who mm-hmm. writes these um, novels about the Lost City, but they're really romance novels, uh-huh. but someone thinks they're serious. <laughs> so sure. they kidnap the writer to find the Lost City. And there you go. Fish out of water, hilarity ensues. Yep, yep. It's in the ads, you know what to expect. Speaking of knowing what to expect, we knew what to expect as we talked about that this was going to wrap up very soon, and it finally did. Amazon has closed its $8.5 billion acquisition of MGM. 
The deal was first announced back in May and has been winding its way through the regulatory process. The completion of the transaction comes two days after the Amazon MGM deal received clearance from the European Union's antitrust regulator, which, quote, unconditionally, unquote, approved Amazon's proposed acquisition, in part because, quote, MGM's content cannot be considered as must-have. <laughs> Burn! Take that! End quote. The European Commission, in its antitrust <laughs> review, found that the overlaps between the Amazon and MGM businesses were limited. Mike Hopkins, senior VP of Prime Video and Amazon Studios, said in a statement, quote, We welcome MGM employees, creators, and talent to Prime Video and Amazon Studios, and we look forward to working together to create even more opportunities to deliver quality storytelling for our customers. So that means that if you're if a big, big uh, MGM entrant in this year's Oscars, um, Licorice Pizza is a, a big winner. That trophy goes to Amazon. Um, caveat here: it technically has not passed the U.S. FTC regulations, right. but Amazon did give the FTC until mid March to yeah. make any sort of complaints so, or regulations. We haven't heard they anything did, yet. Yep, it's been silent on that front. Pretty so much, they're done. going through with it. Deal seems to be done, and like I said, not super surprising. We Unless something this. happens in the next like ten days, it probably won't. It probably I thought you were going to say 10 hours. <laughs> like, yeah, it's possible these days. Something could happen while we're, like, as soon as we're done recording this. Yes. Classic, classic media podcast. <laughs> anyway. But that's not the only movie news this week. As South by Southwest is happening. Of course, that's not just movies. It's music and video games and everything else. Yes, but um, the movie section right. was the first section. Um, I think the actual, um, like, a music festival is this current weekend. Yeah, that's happening already. I think. Yeah. But, but yeah, the top prize in narrative feature competition for South by Southwest went to I Love My Dad, written and directed by James Morosini, who also stars as a younger version of himself in a comfortable, uncomfortable, I should say, retelling of how he was catfished by his father, played by Patton Oswalt. Yes. Surprise, Pat Oswalt. Not a surprise. I guess he knew it was going to be him. That's still fun. Oh, no. This is like the ultimate surprise, Pat Oswalt. Yeah. You're like, you're being catfished. Like, surprise, it's Pat Oswalt. Meanwhile, Best Documentary Feature Honors went to director Rosa Ruth Boston's Master of Light, a portrait of once incarcerated painter George Anthony Morton and his steps to rebuild his life after prison, which impressed his jury for its empathy as well. The South by Southwest Audience Voting Award will continue through Monday morning, March 21st, with popular winners to be announced next week. So South by Southwest news will continue into next week. But uh, not a bad start. Um, nope. Uh, so, yeah. I love, like we said, our Mebo podcast favorite, Patton Oswalt. Yes. Being surprised here. Yeah, not bad. Um, Congratulations to him. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for movie news. So we get to wrap it all up with our movie thoughts. You saw a big one this week. Let's talk about The Batman as you so, have finally seen it. All right. So last week I hyped yes. up that I hadn't seen The Batman. Right. The Batman. Literally after the podcast, because we always record stuff a day too earlier, right, a day too right. later or something, I went and saw The Batman. That was Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Been making that joke for two years now. Uh, we'll be making it more when they make sequels yeah, to this what's thing. What's the payoff here? All right. Matt Reeves. Yeah. If you don't know Matt Reeves, he is responsible for the revival of the Planet of the Apes series. Well, after the Tim Burton one. Well, yes. Yeah. He took the torch and ran with it for well, the sequels. Can you say it's a passing of the torch if Tim Burton didn't do anything uh, with it for 15 years? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, after Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Right. 
in 2000, which killed the franchise for 10 right. years. <laughs> Matt Reeves was like, nah, I got this. Matt Reeves was like, hey, I can make a compelling story here. Me and Andy Serkis, we, 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 we take care of it. Yeah. So they bring in James Franco for the first film and then leave him out of everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Pirate of the Apes. Yeah. And, um, big success. Big success. Like those movies. Yep. Uh, Matt Reeves, after following that up, uh, gets pulled over to Warner Brothers and mm-hmm. says, hey, we want you to do a comic book film for us. Right. And he's like, okay, we'll do the Batman. Yeah. Even though during this, in- this time, we also have the Batman <laughs> with Batfleck. Right, too many Batmans. And he's like, I don't want to deal with Ben Affleck's Batman. I want to tell my own story of yeah. the Batman. Specifically, the long Halloween mm-hmm. story um, and that comic book line where it's a lot more grittier Batman, a lot more detective Batman. And that's what this thing is. Yeah. Can someone turn the brightness up? It is very dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody uh, described it as, um, like, if you thought that the... The, the Dark Knight was the dark and gritty take on Batman. This is somehow darker and grittier? Oh, no. The Dark Knight was very, uh, by today's standards, right. very comic book and very compared, by the note yeah. compared. But at the time of the Dark Knight's release, it was very groundbreaking. Like, we can take comic book movies right. seriously. Flash forward. Flash forward to here. In the post-Marvel universe. 12 years yeah. post the Dark Knight. Fourteen yeah. years, almost yes. fifteen years Jesus post Christ. the Dark Knight. <laughs> Matt Reeves and the Batman. Oh wow, that's also like fifteen years post Twilight too. Yeah, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Oh, that came around the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Trying to get that P in there. Just call him Battinson, it's fine. All right, Robert Battinson. <laughs> uh takes up the cowl on the mantle of the yeah. Batman. So he's already two years into portraying the Batman here. Okay. So now it's the Diverging period. He's an experienced Batman. Experienced Batman. And do I, as Batman, continue to be Batman? Uh-huh. Or, or is there is other ways that I can influence the city of Gotham? Because oh. clearly, crime, even though it says it's going down, it's not still riddled with crime infested warlord criminals and like all these masterminds. And the Riddler is on the loose. Even though they'll call him the Riddler to like the very end. <laughs> uh, so it's a more detective style of the Batman as he tries to solve uh, the Riddler's clues that he's left him. Right. Uh, while also trying to take down uh, the crime bosses of Gotham City with the help of Catwoman. Okay. Help and not help of Catwoman. Uh, there's a lot of new technology in this um, because. As with Batman, he ages up with technology, mm-hmm. um, even though I still miss utility belt Bat- Batman. <laughs> just catch off for everything. Right. Doesn't quite work here, uh, or at least doesn't quite play in today's day and age. Yeah. But it does feel like, one, there's two separate endings, but because the studio wanted a traditional fighting ending, uh, it felt like it could have ended in one note where you catch the Riddler, you lock him up, uh-huh. and then that's it. But there's not no fist big fight. enough. It's not big enough. There's no fight. There's no explosions. Ex- well, yeah, there's no explosions. <laughs> so he had to write a second ending that kind of tied into everything that the Joker or not the Joker, the Riddler. Yes. So which we should mention. We should mention this movie is three hours long. <laughs> what three hours long? <laughs> and two, uh, I've seen a lot of reviews of people making that exact yeah. same. Um, faux pas of calling the Joker the Riddler 
and say that it's the Riddler with the uh, say it's the Joker with it's actually the Riddler. the Riddler. I've seen that faux pas in several different video um, <laughs> essays about the Batman, and I can easily see why because a lot of the like mental tormentor that Heath Ledger the Joker was known for in the Dark Knight. Yeah, translates here to the mental tormenting of the Riddler in the Batman. Okay. Are they too similar, perhaps? Uh, they are different characters, but it's not like campy, um, uh-huh. like Leotard Jim Carrey Riddler. <laughs> yeah. It's more hidden in the shadows. I'm going to leave notes and clues everywhere. Like a. Uh... Arkham Asylum Riddler. Yes. Yeah. Where you don't really see him until the very end. Right, right. You just have to go find all those question marks. <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> but I do love the take of the Riddler here, where okay. the Riddler sees himself as the hero of Gotham, as the Riddler takes helps to take out and point Batman into the direction of all of these crime bosses and how... Everyone is corrupt and taking out the corruptness within Gotham, mm-hmm. whereas Batman is out there not taking out the corrupt people. He's just fighting up the the goons in the beginning. He's just fighting up the, the random guys. Yeah. Not necessarily actually helping the city of Gotham, whereas the Riddler is trying to help the city of Gotham. So that's the interesting take here of the Batman is that your villain, essentially, the Riddler, sees himself as trying to help uh, Batman and Gotham. It's a good take. It's an interesting take. I don't know if it lands, because <laughs> it does... Uh, I mean, I think it does land, but you have to, like, squint and, like, say, like, okay, maybe, because it <laughs> deals... It skews heavily into the right-wing QAnon conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. I was right about this whole thing. You've been having the veil over your eyes. <laughs> and so you can easily take the wrong message away from here. Yeah. Of, like, the QAnon people are right. And, like, there is the bigger conspiracy threat here, which can and cannot push that agenda if you don't want it to. Yeah, it seems, I definitely have heard this from another source as well, where the, 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 the message this movie is to say is super lost because it seems like they don't want to necessarily commit super hard to what they're like to either side. And yeah. they're just like, so by the end of it, you're just like, okay, well, uh, Batman's trying to figure this out, I guess. He's more or less landing on what he thinks he wants to do. But there's a lot of questions left open about the world here. And so. like, so here's where I land on the yeah. on the Batman. I like the world building. I love sure. the world. It's probably the most greatest Gotham we've seen on screen. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I actually like the story. Yeah, it seems like that's where they got a little muddled. Which I like Matt Reeves as a director. The directing's good in here. Sure, yeah. The story I think needs to be played out more over the course of more films. Mm. However, this is already a three hour film. And if you yeah. can't get your message across in three hours and you left people with it being muddled... I mean, hey, maybe <laughs> maybe we're having a little bit of a history repeat scenario, right? Because, I mean, people like Batman Begins, but it wasn't until The Dark Knight. 
with uh, Christopher Nolan's second yeah. try on it, that everybody was like, oh, actually, no, this is the one. So it makes me think, like, maybe if Matt Reeves does get a second t- chance here, oh, he does get a get sequel a second to this one. movie, maybe that's the movie thing. Warner Brothers will make like, a sequel. This is like, you know, like a little bit of growing pains. He's still trying to figure out the story he wants to tell in this universe. Maybe the second one will nail the story part, too, once he's had the atmosphere of the character down. So here's the other side, or the streaming side of the <laughs> Batman. Um, they've announced yeah. that um, right. Colin Farrell's... Spin-off city. Yep, Colin Farrell's Penguin, yeah. which he gets lost in the makeup there. He gets lost in that. That's a great acting job by Colin Farrell here. Uh, is getting his own spinoff of the Penguin series on HBO Max, mm-hmm. as well as Gotham PD will be getting its own spinoff series. Um, in conjunction to the Batman. So we're already getting two different series on HBO Max from this one film. Yeah. And I think that might help to flesh out the world more, to give oh more stake, and maybe even introduce more characters, more of the rogues gallery of Batman, so we can get to that second film. Yeah. Um, Batman The Long Night, which um, I'm going to assume that's what they're going to call it. <laughs> or in The Long Halloween, because that's the adaptation of the Taken of. Which, if you have not read, or Batman the Long Halloween, um, YouTube Comics Explained <laughs> breaks down uh, Batman the Long Night and all the uh, spinning off stories from there. So check that out. Really good. Especially when you get into Hush. Yeah, version of that. Because it'll be really fun and really interesting if they do bring in, one, uh, the character of Hush, mm-hmm. and two, the characters of the Court of Owls. Two... More recent Batman villains, mm-hmm. uh, aside from the uh, like traditional ones, but also very dark and very more new um, crime noir. Okay, right. in takes of the Batman, which helps spin it more to the that detective side, right? Which than is, Batman beat up side. It's the world that he seems to be wants to wants the story yeah. tell story in first and foremost. Yes, it's Batman okay. detective and. I'm all for Batman Detective here. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it seems like that's been Warner's MO right now with their franchise, especially their DC franchises, is let the movie kind of kick up, kick off the world, and then let the um, let the HBO Max streaming series flesh it out. Like, you just saw them do that with Peacemaker yep. for the Suicide Squad film. So, yeah, like, I could definitely see that this is an opportunity for them to be like, oh, well, we have streaming to, like, talk about these specific characters a little bit more, and delve into that world which if it wasn't a film first the um birds of prey would have definitely been an hbo max yeah. series although i'm kind of glad that didn't happen because that i'm glad that that movie got made yeah. because it's so unique yep but uh but yeah otherwise yeah you're probably right that they would have done that now so yeah batman what do you what do you would you call it do you think people should rush out and see it in theaters or do you think this is a you're probably good waiting for the hbo you... max if you didn't see it already, yeah, you're good waiting. It's going to be on HBO Max um, exactly one month from now, okay. uh, mid-April. All right. That's, that's not too long to wait. Because then. HBO Max now has the 30-day window. Right. right. Or, uh, sorry, not 30-day, 45-day window. 45 days. Yeah. So this came out at the beginning of March, so it'll be out mid-April. That makes sense. So, yeah. Um, okay, cool. I'm glad it wasn't a total mess. No. I, I, said, some... I had time. I had fun with it, but yeah, just some... three hours is a long time to commit. Yeah, length, length and story issues. Yep. All right. Well, that's a new movie that we can talk about. I watched some, well, not old movies, but like some catch-up movies to, uh, from the end of last year. All right. That's like Oscar catch-up. Continued Oscar catch-up. I know. I keep, keep doing this, but trust me, 
We'll, I'll eventually catch up. I'm trying to whittle down these best pack, best picture nominees mm-hmm. as best as I can. I watched a big three this week. I've watched Nightmare Alley, Coda, and Licorice Pizza. I saw 40 minutes left on Licorice Pizza, so I don't have a full review of that yet, but I will tell you about my initial impressions. So uh, first up, Nightmare Alley uh, was the first one we watched. This is available on Hulu. This is the Guillermo del Toro entry into the best picture race this year. I believe Nightmare Alley is also available on HBO Max. Yeah, it's on both. Um, I watched it on Hulu, mm-hmm. which was uh, actually, in retrospect, a bad choice because I believe it's on 4K on HBO Max and only HBO on Hulu, and I didn't <laughs> realize that until I was already watching it. So I was like, oh, sh- <laughs> whoops. Messed that up. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't, and it's, it's a movie that would probably benefit from it because if there was a movie that was more built for production design uh, Oscar, I don't know what it is because this is for sure your favorite. This is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Yes, you know what he does. And this is just, yeah, this is a very Guillermo del Toro movie. This is his ode to the film noir. So if you're a film school nerd like we are, mm-hmm. there's a lot to like here, story-wise and character-wise. It's very much in that noir mode. It's very much about, like, a tragedy about a man who, like, gets, like, who's just, like, it gets, like, a little, un, like, a little unsure what he wants to do, gets involved in the wrong crowd a couple of femme fatales are involved and ultimately succumbs to his vices and yeah it's very much that story very much in that mode like i said visually it's a lot of fun there's a lot of cool shit happening a little creepy a little weird um it seems to be based on existing material i guess the nightmare alley was some sort of 1930s film that was more of like a disparate selection of stories this tries to unite all unite all those stories to one which makes act one of this a little aimless and a little like you feel by the time that you're done with it you're like that didn't really have much effect on the rest of the plot it goes a completely different direction <laughs> act two and then kind of becomes its own movie from there so as a little meandering to start it does eventually find its goal and by the end of it you're like yeah that was an enjoyable enjoyable like wild like ride through through this dude's like ultimate like ultimate failure so yeah i enjoyed it is it best picture i don't think so but it's definitely not as strong as academy award best picture winning uh shape water definitely not his best but i think it was definitely like a good uh like a good um follow-up yeah a good like follow-up tone wise to something like that so yeah i enjoyed it it's fun what I enjoyed more, though, was Apple TV Plus's Coda, uh, which is could not be any more different from Nightmare Alley. Yep. So this is the current frontrunner as it yeah. picked up the SAG Award for Best Ensemble. So yes and no. And when I say that is, I don't think this is, after I finished it, I was like, this is not your traditional Best Picture winner. It has a lot of, like, the, this, is a, this is the feel-good movie of the year. And yes, that sounds cheesy. But let's be real, a lot of this movie is kind of cheesy. This movie is a very traditional, like, feel-good structure. It's very much a coming-of-age movie about a young girl and a teacher that she looks up to and a family that definitely doesn't, get, like, necessarily always get along with and the, the trial between, like, trying to find her own voice, both literally and figuratively, with what her family expects her to do, with the responsibilities she has at home. Except for one catch and the thing that makes the movie unique, which is she is a coda, a child of a deaf adult. In fact, her entire family is deaf. She is the only speaking member of her immediate family. This is what makes this movie special. This is what makes this movie unique. As I want to say, a good like 70% of this movie is American Sign Language. 
It's a lot of watching the actors, all played by deaf actors, I want to mention. Very important for this film to work. Um, and how they see the world, how they live in this world that, that, they're, uh, that they live in, and how the lead character, how Ruby reacts to this, and how expectations are different for her because of what her family is going through. And it's a and that makes what seemed like a pretty boil like bogs like boilerplate bog standard story, it gives it so much more life and gives it so much more like feels it feels special because it's coming from a unique point of view, and that's what makes this movie. If this movie was made in like any other circumstances, it would not be great. But the reason why it's great is because of the context it's in, and it definitely by the end of it you're like you know what yeah this was a fresh perspective on a tried and true story. There are moments where it gets a little too like on the nose, especially I don't really love the teacher character because it's very tropey. But besides that, the rest of this world feels new. It feels fresh. And there's a moment, like we talk a lot about emotional gut punches. Mm -hmm. There's an emotional gut punch moment at the end of this movie that is worth the price of admission here. Ooh. So if you like, if you want to see a feel-good, funny movie with a new take, and you want to delve into the world of, like, of, of the deaf community, maybe it's not a world you considered or really thought about much, this is a movie that really does all of that, and really, by the end of it, you're like, yeah, no, this was a good time. Again, is it Best Picture? Probably not. It was kind of the feeling I have at the end of it. However, the unique approach to the script here, I think this might have screenplay in it. Ooh. That's my prediction. I think this is your adapted screenplay. You're pretty good at nailing these. Yeah, I feel I'm feeling this for adapted screenplay, but we'll see, we'll see, because the last movie uh, that I, I watched, like I said, bar the last forty minutes of it, is I think your original screenplay lock. <laughs> um, so Licorice Pizza, that's the new Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it's very much one of his movies. If you like his approach to direction and writing, this will you will enjoy this. It's less of a story that you're like, oh, I need to know what twist is coming up and more of a tone piece. It's very much a vibe. This is 1970s Los Angeles. This is very much in that world. It has a lot of fun with the production design and the and the like in the uh, costume design with that kind of era. It's very much from like and it's very much that. So if you're like and eh, whatever about like 1970s Hollywood, this might not do a whole lot for you because it is very inside baseball. All of the stories are from the perspective of people who grew up there. All of the characters are very much that era, like Hollywood elite style characters. And like, so there may be a little bit of disconnect if you're like, uh, these rich people with rich people problems. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of throw that away, there's some interesting stuff happening in this movie. Of course, the other baggage here is that, yes, the main relationship in this film does happen to be a 25-year-old woman having a will-they-won't-they they sort of relationship with a 15-year-old boy? Wait, I've, <laughs> I've seen this film before. This is Adventureland. <laughs> so, yes and no. So, unlike that, though, this is, doesn't get... This only is... This is pretty light on the uh, creep, creepy part. This is more about, like, actually, maybe they are just platonic friends, but it does oscillate enough on that line that there are moments of uncomfortableness. There's moments of, like, okay, movie, we don't want to necessarily think about this part of this too much. But there are also, on the flip side of that, genuinely touching moments between these two characters. And you do see spark like like moments of like, you know what? Like, yeah, they are just people. They are just people going through weird parts of their lives, both trying to figure out, like both growing up, both in crucial moments of like, 
who am I moments in their life that are just uh, that are finding um, a like a friendship with each other because of that similar that similar feeling of like not knowing feeling lost and it is kind of weird because you get this kind of vaguely emotionally stunted woman in her 20s that's not really sure what she wants to do in her life contrasted with this 15 year old who seems to have it figured out who's like i am a child actor this is my life i'm professional i'm adult i talk to adults like they're adults kind of thing mm -hmm. and so that dynamic is also pretty interesting so if that all sounds interesting to you and if that like is the kind of like if that feels like a kind of story regardless of the baggage of like i don't know about this there's enough interesting happening here that there's a worthwhile story. Also, it is a tone that just feels like, like, and only only PTA is good at the, like he's so good at this. Like he, it's a it's a world that is feels like so like weird and magic that you just want to sit in it for a while. And so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I'll have I guess wrap up thoughts really briefly next week when I finish it up. But yeah, it's a strong entry. Again, I don't know if this is best picture. I still think Power of the Dog is the lock. I'm still confident about. I think this is uh, your best picture is the power of the dog, but um, as the entry in that like in that lineup, it's still pretty good. I have a good, I'm having a good time with it. So yeah, I think uh, the ones I still have to see are uh, Drive My Car and Belfast. I think are the last two that I have um, on my on my docket here. We're double checking here with yep. uh, with the nominees for the best picture. Okay. So Belfast, you haven't yeah, seen. So that's still to do. But you got Coda, Coda don't to look, look up. up, Dune, King Richard. Oh, King Richard, I have not seen. But you did. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. So Liquor's Pizza, Diamond Alley, Power of the Dog, right, right. and West Side Story. So I'm done except for Belfast um, and uh, Drive My Car and King Richard. And together, our powers combined, yes. we just have Belfast and Drive My Car. <laughs> which I don't know. Those are the two. Those are the two ones I'm most fearing because I like don't really care. Well, Drive My Car is the uh, going to be your international film. Yeah, that's a lock for for international film. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so this that's that's my up best best picture update. I'm still feeling Power of the Dog. It's kind of where I'm at. So we'll see. We will see because next week is uh, going to be our Oscar preview. Show yes. uh, as we will record this the night before, right? Yes, the Oscars, and we'll give you a breakdown of everything. Yes, we, we will think do we'll our win. predictions that night. Yes, uh, they will we'll lock them in tomorrow, but yes, we'll have them on the podcast next week for you. Yep, uh, but with that, I'll lock us in for another episode of the Media yes. Podcast. Thank you, it did hit two hours. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week, as always. Uh, another live show on Saturday morning for you, so tune in for that on our YouTube channel. If you want to find that, you can go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast, and look there. If you wanted to listen to our audio versions of the podcast, you can do so on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there, search Media Boat Podcast. There is also where you can find our, our currently ongoing March Madness Bracket series, just like in real just like in basketball, we also have a March Madness bracket, except instead of basketball, we're talking about animated Disney film songs. We are already two episodes in as of this recording. If you want to delve into our bracket creation for, the, um, for those songs, you can tune in on those podcast feeds and check that out. Our goal is to pick one Disney movie song to rule them all. Will it be? We currently have our top 16 yes. 
um, for from each yeah. uh, specific Disney uh, periods. So next is to have them face off against each other and see if your bracket gets busted. Uh, so will a whole new world can compete against Let It Go or We Don't Talk About Bruno or The Bare Necessities? Tune in. Yep, with more. Yes. We'll see if Radigan can come <laughs> back again. Yeah, probably not. But, but yeah, uh, so tune into that. Uh, that's our, our currently going Disney song, uh, March Madness bracket. That's also available on our podcast feed. So Media Boat Podcast is where you can find that. You can also find us on social media at Media Boatcast is our Twitter account. Our Facebook, you can search Media Boat Podcast, find us there. If you want to send us an email, we do read emails. If you ask us questions, comments, or have any feedback about the show, send them to mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. With that, we'll be back next week for our Oscar prediction show, along with all sorts of thoughts like Marin Morris and Kirby and Kirby's Forgotten Land, whatever more we want to talk about. So we'll be back next week with another episode. Stay tuned. And have a good week. Yep. More news, more thoughts, more of us next week. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.